I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. Let's go. Hey, it's Arlen. This is your first million. Really excited about this episode. When am I not, though? It's so much fun doing this. <laughs> this episode is Justin Kahn. So you may know him as the co-founder of Twitch. And you may not know him as a co-founder of Twitch. So Twitch is that website all the kids use to stream themselves playing games or doing other things. It's a multi-billion dollar company. And Justin was one of the co-founders. He's also a co-founder of something called Justin TV, which was pretty groundbreaking in its day. Followed him around uh, 24-7. And then that kind of spun out to Twitch and Twitch sold for nearly a billion dollars. So that is why he's on the show. He's no longer there after the acquisition. He has a new company called Atrium, which you'll learn more about. But he has a lot to talk about, a lot to a lot of insights in this kind of uh, compressed interview. So I think I think Justin may be, I mean, no one's really taking score, but I do think he's probably one of the two wealthiest guests we've had so far. And he doesn't he doesn't shy away from any topic really it was really refreshing met up with him at his office um i should say i should give a disclosure that justin recently invested in my company backstage studio and yeah he's he's pretty cool so we'll get right into it you're definitely going to learn more than you knew about him if you already know Justin. If you if you're a fan of Justin's and you've heard a lot of these podcasts and interviews, you're actually going to get a little bit extra here because he does go a little bit more personal. If you've never heard of him or haven't had a chance to listen to him talk about his journey, this is going to give you a really good uh, view of it. So buckle up, whatever you're doing, if you're running, if you're walking, if you're on a train, if you're in a car, if you're cooking, this is for you. And I cannot wait to hear your feedback. I think the thing that most people know you for, besides Justin TV, because it was about your life, I think, um, is Twitch, is being the founder of Twitch. I would say co-founder and and really um, my 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 uh, co-founder Emmett deserves all the credit, right? But we kind of spun that out of Justin TV, and uh, you know we we've been building this live video site uh, for a couple of years, and decided we need to pivot. And then Emmett had this idea of focusing on uh, gaming streaming, and uh, reluctantly, actually, the rest of us kind of went along with it in in a way. And it turns out, obviously, it succeeded beyond our wildest dreams. And what year was that that you all decided to do that? We started. We started Justin TV in 2006 and then launched a sh- launched it as a show in 2007 and then a live video site, like a platform. 
uh, in 2007. And then in 2011, I think was around the time when we were really starting to focus on gaming streaming and uh, did that for a couple of years. And then 2014, the company was acquired by Amazon. Yeah, 2014. So five years ago, it was acquired. Um, before we talk about that day, because I want to talk about that day that, you know, that whole time period around that, because it's your first million. I want to understand just quickly, how does it feel to know just how many people use Twitch today? Does that blow your mind or is it sort of gotten, you've gotten used to it? It does blow my mind. Actually, the times when I, my mind is most blown is like going back and visiting like TwitchCon. Uh, you know, Diplo was at TwitchCon last year and being at in San Jose at the arena and like seeing how many people are like into Twitch. That's like pretty amazing uh, to see. Um, you know, when I think about the arc of my life and like all the different things that I've been able to participate in, I've had this like really blessed opportunity and a lot of... Um, uh, a real, a lot of luck. Um, uh, but it's pretty cool to be able to see how, you know, the things that I've worked on or done or contributed to in some small way have like impacted all these different people. Yeah. Cause you, that's just something that you, you can never take away. And it, it's, it always compounds on itself too. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. That's a, that's a pretty uh, awesome feeling. Yeah. You know? And, um, going back then before Twitch was acquired, would you say you made your first million before that happened? Yeah, so we actually we did make our first million um, before Twitch was acquired. Okay. So what happened was uh, we had the company Justin TV. So we started in uh, 2006, and uh, four years later, it, it was kind of like a um, pretty popular live video site on the web. Uh, the problem was it wasn't growing, and anything that's not growing in a growth market, right, it means you're declining. And so we were. Uh, really worried as co-founders. You know, there are four of us, uh, Michael, Kyle, Emmett, and myself. Uh, Michael ended up, you know, he went on to become the CEO of Y Combinator. Uh, Kyle uh, co-founded a company with my brother called Cruise Automation that does self-driving cars, which was acquired by GM. And Emmett still runs Twitch. Uh, and so, but at the time, the four of us were just like co-founders of Justin TV. Like, you know, we were pretty young. So that was 2011. So I was probably 20, in my late 20s, right? Like 27, 28. And uh, we were thinking, like, what do we do? You know, we have this company that's like 20 people that's kind of barely profitable or not growing, which means it's probably going to die. Um, so we started looking around for other ideas. And Emmett, that's the time when Emmett came with this gaming idea. And um, he was like, let's work on gaming. And the other thing that we, we wanted to work on was almost like an Instagram of video. And we called it social cam. And so we had these two ideas. That was Michael's, Michael's idea. And we had these two ideas and we couldn't agree on what to do as a company. And so we basically did both, which is a terrible idea, but we incubated both ideas. Yeah, because social cam was a thing. Yeah, so social cam was a moment in time. It was a brief thing, uh, but we we built it internally in this mobile app where anyone could create and share a video from their mobile phone. Now, you know, there's lots of videos like, uh, like lots of apps like that. Uh, but we launched this, um, we launched it. And then what happened was, um, we ended up spinning it out as a separate company. And Michael actually went and became the CEO of that company uh, with some of our engineers uh, that he took along as kind of like new co-founders. And so uh, everybody from the Justin TV entity had some equity ownership in that new company. And then eventually um, the next year they sold that company for $60 million. Mm. So that was kind of like the first time that any of us made any money. And what, what was that day like? Do you remember it? Or is it so far back uh, the day I remember the Twitch days, uh, like around the inflection points around selling Twitch a lot more vividly. With, I would, I would say so. Yeah, <laughs> it with, was more recent and it was almost a yeah. billion dollars. But, but that day was, um, 
I just remember I was like, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. I felt like a very relieving because, you know, up until then I had never, uh, sold any companies or anything like that. I hadn't really invested in any companies or, you know, it was like, kind of like Justin TV is going to turn out to be something or I'm, or not, you know, and then I, like my financial security is really dependent on that. Uh, so after that, it was like a big, it really was like a big relief. Um, but you know, that like kind of wore off after, you know, very quickly. I'm not going to ask you how much you made in that deal unless you want to say, but was that um, a lot of people that are listening to this series are really trying to dig in on how do you get there? How do you do it? And and what it's like, like right afterwards. So did you look at that? Like when you looked at your bank account, did you say, did you put a certain amount away and say, this is going to last me for X number of years. I'm not going to touch that. It's going to be my expenses for X number of years. And then I can, everything else is like high risk. So I've never, I've never been that intentional. Right. And I've, I've, I, I put the money in my bank account. I didn't do anything with it. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm, this is going to keep me afloat for the next, whatever. I was still working on, you know, we still were working on, on Twitch uh, and then I, I started this other company exactly like I was saying. So I was still working on stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I just figured it was nice to bank one, like both reputationally, but also, um, have that, you know, fall back in, in the bank, but I was still like active and wanted to do stuff, you know, yeah. and build stuff. Yeah. And did you ever think like, cause you couldn't have known what was, what was ahead of you. Right. Yeah. When that happened, did you ever think, um, like you could go to zero again? Not that you were ever at zero, but you know yeah, what I mean? I, did you ever think like, um, there is a chance I'll, I won't have this money or were you like, I'm never going to not have some money in the bank. Cause I just became a millionaire. So I better not. Yeah. It was more the latter, I guess. Okay. I think it was, you know, I'm not doing, you know, I'm putting it in safe. It was all held in cash for a long time. Actually, yeah. I was just like, I'm not investing this in like high risk investments, you know? So, so there was a kind of like, this is my backup, mm-hmm. you know, this is the insurance, uh, insurance money. Yeah. And that, that probably is what gave you even more confidence to sort of go for things. It seems like you, um, have kind of looked for things that were enjoyable for yeah. the most part. There's been, you've talked openly about stressful times and like being a founder, like you're, you, you're, you have a, a company now, like you're not stopping, even though you sold switch, uh, Twitch, sorry, yeah. Twitch for almost a billion dollars. Your company did your co-founders. Um, so you, you have another company. We'll talk about that in a second. What is that that drives you? Is it that, do you ever think you're going to retire from this? Well, I would say the answer, you know, if you asked me a couple of years ago and now it's like different and it's changed over time, you know, so after Twitch, I was an investor at Y Combinator for a couple of years. And then I decided re- more recently to start this new company, Atrium. And for me, I've always pursued things that I was interested in. I was very much in the world of ideas, like startup ideas and business ideas. And I was always, I've always been interested in new businesses and uh, new ways technology can affect business. And so um, I just did things that were kind of fun ideas for me, business-wise. I think now actually I'm much more interested in, um, through this process of this last startup, I've learned a lot about myself and I've been more interested in, in kind of understanding, uh, you know, what drives the human mind and, and my own happiness. And I've come to realize that more and more of life is about the introvert world, like what's inside of you rather than like the extrovert world of like, what are you getting? And like, who are, you know, what are you, what, what wins are happening in your life or like how, you know, what are you working on? Um, and so for me, maybe this is, you know, I would never start another company again. Maybe this is it. And I'm having a lot of fun with this one, but, um, I might retire afterwards, you know, if this is, if this all came to an end somehow. Yeah. And how old are you? 
Uh, now I'm 36. Was there a time, because you seem super zen to me. Was there a <laughs> time where, like, that something ha- happened? You don't have to talk about it if it did, you know, if it's personal. But it, was there just like this day that you woke up and said, I'm going to look at the world in a different way? That's a great question because I am not, I was never before a very Zen person. I was mm. always someone who's wrapped up in like, what a, a very reactive, I would say. And in fact, previous employees of mine had pointed it out. They were like, um, you know, you're always reacting to what's going on. And then like, how do you solve this problem? I really identified as like a problem solver type of person. So like, what's the biggest problems that we're having as a company? And like, I'm just going to knock them off one by one and then give me the next three, you know? And um, what happened was I was super stressed out for my whole career, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this and and many other people listening have, but I was super stressed out, uh, all the time that I was starting starts the first time. And then even after, uh, when I was starting atrium, um, the first 12 months was like very stressful. And I was surprised because, you know, kind of existentially, if the company didn't work out, I'd still be fine. Right. Um, but I was very stressed. And so I started thinking like trying to research and learn about things that to de-stress myself and I formed a new hypothesis about, um, you know, mental health, I guess, and well, mental well-being, I should say, which is I used to think about it like, oh, you're just the level of happiness that you are, right? Either you're born happy, you're born not happy, whatever. That's the way it is. And you can't really change that. And what I realized was like, actually, you can change it. And it's not like one day you wake up and it's changed. It's not like flipping a light switch and you're just like, boom, I'm mentally sound, right? Or I'm happy. Um, actually, it, it's more like working out, right? It's like, you want to become fit. Well, you don't go to the gym once bench press, you know, 250 pounds. And then you're like jacked, you know, working out, you have to, it's about putting in like every day you're doing something or every other day or five times a week or whatever it is. Right. So for me, it's like on the being, becoming more at peace with my life. It was like, what are the practices that I can do every day where I'm feeling, you know, I'm getting one drop every one drop every, every day. And eventually you have like a full bucket. You filled this bucket. Mm. So for me, that that looks like, you know, I meditate every day. I keep a gratitude journal every day, every morning. Um, I try to remind myself that uh, getting the things that I want actually will make no difference in my daily happiness. Um, and that what matters is really being in the present moment and um, trying to figure out how I view every every moment as a, as a gift. Um, and some of those things have really helped me. You were saying earlier, um, offline, you were saying that when you did get wealth, you yeah. know, whether it's the first million or the next 10 or whatever, <laughs> it turned out, how was it? What, what, yeah. what, what did you imagine it would be like? And then well, what was it? Right. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're working at, at, towards this thing that you, you see in your head, this vision of the future. And oftentimes there's like real negative things compelling you, right? An experience of not having enough. Um, or not having people recognize your vision or what you want to bring about in the world. Um, and so, you know, you're kind of grasping, you're like desperately, like, I need to achieve this thing, right? Whatever it is, an exit or like growth or a lasting company, big company or whatever. And um, for me, that meant like putting off a lot of like what I want, you know, how do I want to live in the present for like this future reward, right? Saying, oh, I want this future, future thing. And it's not just a matter of like working hard or not working hard. It was really a I felt like, you know, I wasn't even, I wasn't even living in the moment in a way a lot of times. And, um, so that relief of having, um, there's, you know, initially when we made money the first time and then with Twitch and stuff, there, there is a wave of like kind of exhilaration and relief. And, um, I could talk about the moments of, of, of Twitch, uh, in a second, but what happened really was, um, 
well, I, I'll just tell them. I, I had these a couple moments with Twitch that, that were pretty funny. I, like the first time we ever got the deal, I, I like the offer. Um, I remember dropping to my knees. I was like in a conference room and just like laughing. Like, cause I was like, so like, I can't even believe that our company would be worth this much. Right. So that was like pretty crazy. Then I was remember, that, was that like the billion dollar number, the 980? It whatever? was, it was, it was less than that. It was like a previous number actually, yeah, but wow. it was like the first time where it was like real big. Wow. And okay. I was like, oh Hundreds my God. Of millions, yeah. yeah. Uh, the second thing I remember, date I remember was, um, when we, I was actually at Burning Man, Burning Man, when we, um, closed the deal and I had woke up in a pool of water because well, I, mean, I was that's staying better, at, better than what I was, you yeah. know, what it could have been yeah. <laughs> I, burning man. I was, I was, uh, imagining, or I'm sorry. I was, um, I was staying in this like yurt, basically, uh, like a made out of insulation foam, like duct tape together. And then it rained that night and rain, like water just came in. So I was like, woke up and I was like literally in a pool of water. And then I remember walking around, I was supposed to, I, I knew it was supposed to close that day. So I remember walking around to like find somebody with cell phone service to text, you know, friend to see, Hey, was there any news that came out? Yeah. And, um, that's how I spent that day. And then when the deal actually closed and the wire hit my bank account, actually all of us, it was a pretty nice moment. All of us were in, uh, Italy for uh, my co-founder Kyle's wedding. And I remember looking at the bank of America app and being like, I didn't even know bank of America could hold that much money. Exactly. And that was yeah. like mind blown. But then I'll tell you the next 90 days after that, you know, kind of just went back to baseline. I was like playing a lot of Hearthstone, like the video game, video game, you know, I'm just like sitting on my couch and, you know, you expect all these things that change. Um, and really it's just, it's not worse, but you're just the same person that you were before. But isn't partially that okay? I mean, yes. Yes. Yeah. Isn't, doesn't that feel kind of like it's the same. And then you also have this money in the bank. Yeah, exactly. It's the same. And you have this money in the bank yeah. and, and it's okay. Actually it's yeah. okay. It's not bad. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, well, actually it's, it can be bad. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, actually have my experience and, and what I've observed from other friends of mine, it's not, it's not bad. It's obviously great for your security and stuff like that, but it's not, if you expect it to like change who you are or your mm -hmm. happiness, it doesn't do that. It doesn't change your happiness. It doesn't, you know, I, I think about two examples. One is Jeff Ulrich, who we had on earlier. Um, he sold his company for 60 million and yeah. he owned like 85% or something like it. And so it was, it was night and day. And, um, he, he said like the day that it happened, he got that money in his daughter fell at the playground and busted her mouth. So she had to go to the hospital. And it was like the immediate understanding that nothing really changes except that number yeah. and that app. Right. Yeah. And then, um, uh, Jewel Burks, who we had on recently, um, she said that she actually, she sold her company. She made her first million. And that day she, she was depressed when she saw it. She yeah. couldn't get out of bed the next day. Yeah. But, and I think that was tied more to, um, selling a company that you wanted, you know, who knows where it could have gone or what is your identity? You know, you work for yeah. someone else. And so this was a different kind of situation. You were selling a company and the world seems like, you know, stop me if I'm wrong here, but it seemed like the world is now your oyster. Yeah. You're in Italy with your, your friends you have X amount of money in there and that's, you know, it's probably like nine digits if I'm, if I'm going to be bold. Um, and what, what those 90 days where you were playing video games aptly, yeah. uh, what, what did you think was going to be next? I didn't know. You know, I, I felt, I felt like it was just, you know, it was exciting. You see, you take nice vacations, yeah. you know, that's great. 
but nothing really changed that much. I mean, you, you know, you're invested, you can invest more in other people's mm-hmm. companies, but just the amount that you were investing goes up or whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't like, um, then nothing, nothing really, I don't know. It wasn't like that. So it's not it surreal. It doesn't feel like it felt, it felt surreal. Felt yeah, surreal. definitely. It was surreal at first. Yeah. How uh, long does it take for that to wear off? Like a week, a week. Okay. Yeah. So this there's probably good. one week of surreal. And then, um, like, a couple of years of like, okay, there's like stuff that I can do. That's really nice that I wouldn't have been able to afford to do before. Yeah. Um, do you get petty? Do you like go, do you like kind of anybody who had beef with you? You're like kind of walking by them real slow now. And you're like, yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> I, I think that there was a feeling uh, to be honest of being like, um, you know, people always doubted Justin TV as an idea, which probably rightfully so because a stupid idea and, and Twitch, um, and so, like, I think there was a, like, feel, not with any specific person, but there was, like, a really good feeling of, like, hey, you know, this is, like, you found a path and, like, that, and, and, and kind of bet on something that people would have, uh, were betting against in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And so, that felt good. But, um, you know, I didn't really have any, anyone where I was, like, oh, my God, I got to tell you, you know, let me show you. Really? You that's, that's interesting. I mean, I know a lot of people would have a list. I've had a list yeah. since I was five. Yeah. Uh, are your parents living? Yes, my two parents live in Seattle. What do they think of you having sold your company for a billion, and then now your brother has a billion-dollar company, multi-billion dollar company? What are they? What are like meals like at the crib? Like, how yeah. does that? It's so funny, right? Your relationship with your parents is just it's the same, right? My parents still try to tell me what to do. Yeah, you know, my parents are still like, you should do X, Y, and Z things. And you're like, the fuck can you tell me? What, 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 like, I'm a grown man. Like, I'm a grown man. I'm like, you know, a successful company or whatever. How can you tell me something? But like, you know, that's what parents are. That's what parents are. Yeah. Do you have any kids or? I'm having a kid soon in September. (gasps) Oh, really? That's your first? My first kid. Oh, that's awesome. And that, that's probably going to bring a new wave of understanding. Yeah. Life and meaning and all of that. I'm really excited for it because actually even my wife being pregnant has made me connect much better with my parents and understand like kind of their, the love and intention that went into like having me. Um, and I can kind of like relate a lot more to the, you know, you have all these anticipations and expectations and hopes and dreams for your kid. And, um, I, I don't think I gave my parents as much credit as I should have, you know, to be honest, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my parents. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you, you seem very humble just in the interactions I've had with you. Um, but I would have to say like, you are really intelligent dude. So you have, like, you come from a, you have that kind of, that it was luck and it was also a little bit of strategy, right? Do you, do you take any credit for any of this or is it too hard to? No, I think we work, you know, I worked hard the first couple of years we worked out every day, like every day of the week I worked like all the time, but we had no skills when we started. Um, you know, Michael likes to say, uh, you know, he's CEO of now. He likes to say like, well, when you're young, you like hard work is like one thing you do, you can do, right? Like you, you might not be the smartest or like have the most experience or have the most connections, but you can work hard. Right. Like, and so, um, I felt like we really lived that in those early days. And uh, that is, you know, not everyone did that. We didn't give up. That's the other thing. It's, I think many people just give up way early. You know, they think it's going to happen for them in one, two, three years. We were talking about that earlier. Absolutely. Um, but no, you know, these, these journeys take a long time. People ask me all the time, 
you know, how, how did you keep going even when you didn't know it was backstage was going to be and how did yeah. you sleep in certain places and all of that? And I'm just like, that's the difference. I just right. stayed in it because yeah. I knew the only, the only truth that I could, could predict was that if I stopped, it wouldn't happen. That's yeah. the only kind of control. I love that. Yeah. I love the, that. The only thing I could predict is if it, I stopped, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that really sometimes is the difference. If there's, if there's anything you can take from this episode is like, cause people want like a magic bullet. They want a yeah. magic pill. How yep. do you become a millionaire? So yep. I'm like debunking a lot of that with this series, I love but that. it really is. It's, so it's a lot of things. It's hard work. It's all that, but it really is staying in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, t- we get more nuanced and sometimes, sometimes when we talk about knowing when to stay in and what to put energy behind. But that across the board, if you think about anyone you find successful, that's been the difference, at least it has for me. I totally, re- that resonates with me 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So n- you started um, Atrium and Atrium was uh, spun out of a venture studio that you have. Well, so kind of, not really. Okay. Basically, I was like, why don't I just incubate? four companies and find someone else to be the CEO of each one. Yes. That's where I kind of started off when I was uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. But what I really realized was that startups have been this vehicle of growth, self-personal, personal growth for me. I've like gained so many skills and, you know, I was not confident as a person. Uh, I was not a confident speaker. I was not, um, you know, I didn't know how to manage anyone or build a team or execute at all. Uh, when I started off, you know, I was 22 years old, but because of starting these companies, I got very fortunate to be put in the position where you have to learn, right? Like you're like catapulted in and it's like, yeah. no one's going to save you. You have no boss. So you got to figure it out. Otherwise your company's going to fail. All these people are going to lose their money who invested in you and your employees are going to need to find jobs. Yeah. So for me, that was, you know, it was a boot camp in like life skills and uh, I wanted to keep learning. That's really why I want to come back. But then I was like, well, it might be stressful to start another company, which it turns out. It was totes, but, um, <laughs> so at first I was like, okay, I'll incubate four companies and have someone else like run each one. Right. Kind of like, um, you know, there's guys like atomic labs. Absolutely. Uh, we this. have backstage as a studio. Yeah. That's why I was so drawn to you yeah. because and, we have a studio, you get it. And then I was like, well, actually the thing that's going to make me learn the most is if I'm like the CEO of one company. Mm-hmm. So then I just like had this one idea for each room and I just dis- decided really? to just like start this. Yeah. And w- tell me a little bit. It started when? Uh, 2017. So we just had our two-year birthday. How do you describe it? Uh, So Atrium is a uh, legal technology company to make law law for startups fast, uh, transparent, and price predictable. And it really comes out of my experience being a, what I call an involuntary power user of corporate legal services, kind of the whole range from, you know, financings, venture financings to M&A. And there was a lot that I liked uh, around specific subject matter experts who could help me uh, make difficult decisions. And there was a lot I didn't like. And mm-hmm. the stuff I didn't like was uh, pretty much anything around the delivery service. I thought it could be uh, a lot more transparent what was going on at any given time and a lot more um, automated uh, through software so that uh, the attorneys could focus on the stuff that they love to do, which is like really high level expert advising. What's an example of something that can scale that you, you do at Atrium that a lot of different companies always need, but going through Atrium, it's easier to do. Like what sort of legal, like law? Yeah. So Atrium is, you know, we have this Atrium law firm and and, and that provides legal services to uh, companies. And um, 
there's a bunch of like software that the atrium uses that's like much different right to provide a different experience so for example we have this software where we'll like ingest all of your legal documents and keep them for you and you can access them at any time there's like you know full text search across all, all, all of these documents um and they're share a shared source of record between your attorney team and you the business uh, owner um, so if you want to look something up, you don't have to email anyone. You could just like look on this, mm. this folder, right? Online. Yeah. It's pretty obvious actually, but, um, well, I'm constantly doing that with, we have, we had one point we had three sets of lawyers. Now yeah. we only have two Yeah. and now we really only use one, but yeah. it was because we had all this conflict and all these different entities and, uh, you know, asking a question, that's a lot of money yeah. to just ask, what is this doc or what did the doc say? Right. Or can yeah. you send me this document? Yeah, exactly. But you also want it to come from that source so that you don't mess up. You right. Know? Exactly. Like you don't want it, you want it to be. So is it where your current lawyer works with the, the software or do you have to replace them? Well, so right now, you know, it's, it's just our existing atrium legal team. Um, you know, you have to use the atrium legal team. Eventually okay. I think it'd be cool if this is a platform where you can find and source any, uh, legal service provider. Yeah. Are l lawyers like upset with y'all? Like you're, you're disrupting them and displacing them. Yeah. I don't, um, I think there's some lawyers who are, are, are upset, and I think there's some that are very excited about like the potential for change. Yeah, because I would imagine getting them on board is probably a good move. Yeah, Atrium getting has, them to find some value in it. Yeah, we have this like team of very excited uh, lawyers who are the people who wanted change. Right, they want a more entrepreneurial environment. They want to integrate technology and uh, innovation into their workflows and daily life. Um, a lot of people who are, especially people who are, you know, just coming up now. I'm like, why are we doing the, this old way? It right, doesn't make, make right. any sense. Like there's, we can do this more efficiently. It's better for the clients. And I have to do less like random road work, yeah. you know? And yeah. so that's, that's really the type of person we appeal to. So did you say earlier, did I get this right? Did you say that after Atrium, you don't think you'd start a new company or were you being facetious? No, I, I'm being serious. I think that like when I started Atrium, I was like, okay, this is a great idea. This is a problem that I've particularly had. It can be a big company. And it was a very ego-driven decision. And then through the process of kind of learning some of this other stuff and really investing in myself, I realized, hey, what I want to do is is spend more time doing that. And so, you know, I think this is this is the company I'm really invested in, and I want to build and see if I can, you know, build a long-lasting company here in mm -hmm. Silicon Valley. Um, but outside of that, I, I don't know that I would start another company. Yeah, that's interesting because. You do have that, seem to have that drive. I, I I would like to see what happens in the next few years. Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, compare. I could come back and say, oh, yeah, I was like, completely yeah, wrong, give me, give me 90 days and not yeah. vacation and then I'm back at it. But that's great. So what do you see with Atrium? What are you, what are you hoping it becomes? And Yeah, so the, what I love about Atrium is that it's really a vehicle to help founders focus on their superpower, right? No one starts a company because they want to buy legal services, right? They start a company because they want to bring a product or service to market. And so um, it, I can draw on my experience as a founder and as an investor at Y Combinator to figure out, like, how do we help people focus on the things that they really care about and how do they, I, we help them make decisions around that and then leave everything else to us? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think, you know, our real vision at Atrium is. This po whole podcast series is about making your first million yeah. and hopefully the next or the whatever. And it's also part of my journey of making my first personal million, all of that. Because we've talk to so many people who say it's different than what you imagine it is. Do you think that, do you think that a podcast like this should exist? Like, you know, kind of philosophically, do you think that, um, like what is the drive to, for someone to earn a million dollars if it is 
different, if it is sometimes a letdown or much different than what you imagine. Yeah, there- well, I like my favorite book is this book called Siddhartha uh, by Herman Hesse. And in the book, uh, it goes to the life of this guy, Siddhartha, and, and he's like, um, one of the parts he lives all these different lives, you know, he's an ascetic and he's like a, then he's a businessman and he makes a lot of money and he has a kid and eventually becomes this like guy who's a river fisherman uh, or he's like a river boat, like a guide or something uh, like a ferryman. Right. And, and he's talking to his friend who's like a ferryman and he's like, my kid will, won't listen to me. He's like, won't, um, I want to save him all this pain, but he has to experience, you know, he, he, um, he won't listen, right? Like I could, if you just listen to my advice and my lessons and he would like save, save himself all this pain. And the, uh, his friend is basically like, well, some, you know, people have to learn themselves and they have to like have that experience themselves. And I feel like this podcast is kind of like that. I, you can hear me, you can say, listen to me and say, say, Oh, actually making a bunch of money doesn't really make any difference to your long-term happiness. Uh, and a lot of people will say that I don't believe that that's bullshit. And those people have to figure it out themselves and find it themselves. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And everyone that we've talked to has had a different experience of it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it really is going back to what you were saying earlier about what drives you to begin with. Yeah. Like that kind of dictates what you imagine it's going to be like. For some people, it's, it's very different. Absolutely. Everybody has a different path and a different incentive. And a lot of entrepreneurs are coming at it because they are, you know, trying to right some wrong in the past, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and prove something to themselves or to the world around them. And, uh, I get it. I've been there, you know, where do you weigh in on this, uh, argument between like hustle porn and like getting like 12 hours of sleep? <laughs> like, where yeah. are you on that, on that scale? Well, um, like Michael said, you know, one of the things, Michael, like, Michael Seibel, yeah, like, like what I was saying earlier, it's like one of the things you can control when you're young and you have no skills is you can work hard. Now, you at the same time, startups are a marathon; they're not a sprint. No one can work, uh, you know, or you shouldn't be doing things that are completely unsustainable because you have to be doing this for a long time, right? Otherwise, you give up. Like we said, you know, part of the thing is staying in the game. Um, so I think there's a balance and you kind of have to work at the, like the, the largest sustainable, uh, for yourself. The other thing I would say though, that's really important is, um, people should think about what's in their zone of genius. So what are the things that give them energy, uh, that they're excited to do that they love to do. And if you're working in your zone of genius, work doesn't feel like work anymore. Like I love talking about conscious leadership and, um, you know, the internal world and how, how you can find personal happiness and, uh, being on, you know, podcasts like this and talking about that, I could, and talking about it internally in my company and being an example at my company and helping coach and facilitate people to find their zone of genius. I can do that all day. And so if I'm defining that as a large part of the CEO role, which I think it is, um, then, then I, I can, you know, working 12 hours a day is not a problem for yeah, me. Yeah. It goes by so fast Yeah, and it's like a well that you can pull from quite easily. And so that's one way of, of, uh, knowing if you're, if you're doing something like if you're burnout, like yeah. I had burnout last week yeah. and it hit me like a ton, ton of bricks Yeah, it, and it was because I was doing like 50% of the stuff that I just shouldn't. Exactly. And I, I calibrate every once in a while. I figure that out. I had a, you know, a moment like two years ago where I realized what I should be doing, what I shouldn't. Had a moment in March when I realized there was a lot that I shouldn't be doing. And the press said that I stepped away from backstage, but I really just said, oh, I shouldn't be doing the, the job of six people. I'm yeah. going to do the job of like three. How about that? Really? And, and then it kind of changed. Um, before we go, 
Can you dial in on zone of genius? Yeah. So I think a lot of founders end up in their zone of competence, which is the things that they're good at, but actually don't give them energy. And the trap is that people think this is what I need to do for the company. Like you were probably in that space, right? You're like, there's six jobs, there's three of them I don't really like, but I'm, I need to do them for the company. Otherwise this company's not going to exist. Um, instead of that, and then what happens is they create a job they hate, right? You create a job where you show up and you feel like it's a trap and you hate it. I mean, so many different CEO groups and circles or whatever, where people are living in their zone of competence. They're like, I hate my job. They're so successful, but they're like, I'm, I'm burned out. I'm trapped, et cetera. Um, the key thing is to try to figure out what is my zone of genius, the things I love that give me energy and how do I stay in that as much as possible and help other people do the things that are not in my zone of genius and hopefully is in their zone of genius because we're all different. You know, we all like different things and have different, you know, things that make us, you know, we vibe with. And so um, if you can do that in a conscious way, you will make your job much better and like it won't even feel like a job. And so, you know, that's hard, easy, easy to say, hard to do, but, you know, there's a bunch of techniques to do it, you know, being very explicit with your areas of responsibility and delegating areas of responsibility that are not in your zone of genius, uh, doing a calendar audit. So I like to look backwards in my, on my calendar and circle the things that are, gave me energy, circle the things that, you know, don't that cross off the things that, uh, took energy away from me and then try to figure out how can I design my job? So it's like primarily the things that gave me energy. It's funny because when I imagine that, I'm, you know, very um, visual, it's like a video game. Yeah, exactly. It's like you stay in this perimeter. Right. And as you're, as you're running through life, you don't hit the red. Yep. Get out of the red and then you're good. That's awesome. Um, do you like bullet journaling? What's that? Bullet journaling? No, I don't know. Oh, I'm so excited about it. Yeah. So I don't know much about it because I don't do it, but my fiance yeah. loves it. So I would look it up. Okay. Um, I don't want to say it wrong, but basically there's these very, it was started by this guy. I think he has ADD and all these things and he was really unorganized and he found a way, you know how like you write notes in a book yeah, or in a, in a thing and you kind of like have these different notes from different days and you try yeah. to keep up with it. This is very specific and intentional and each day, instead of like making a line through the thing, the to-do list, yeah. you actually put like a plus sign next to it. Like you have a dash. And mm -hmm. if you complete it, you put it a, a, a vertical line through yeah. it. And then there's all these different symbols and it's very, it's not super complicated, but yeah. it's very intentional yeah. so that over time you look back on it, seven days, 15 days, you can see very, very clearly um, the thing, like the patterns, you can yeah. see the things that you, that you accomplished. And so things feel like you accomplished so much more than you give yourself credit for. Huh. And you can see that instead of it just being kind of just this book that you keep notes on. Yeah. And if you really get into it, it can be very medi uh, meditative. Yeah. And it can, uh, it's just like changed my fiance, wow. Anna's life. Yeah. It really has. Cause she just felt like she wasn't really doing a lot and accomplishing a lot. And then she opens this book up and looks at the month and says, oh my goodness, how did I do all of this? That's awesome. Yeah. So it's called bullet journaling and there's all sorts of, it's like a trend. So it's, there's a lot of stuff about it, but yeah. I, I think it's really cool. Um, thanks so much for, for uh, being thanks. on this, on this uh, interview. How do people get in touch with you? How do they read about what you're, what you're doing? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter, pretty active on Twitter at Justin Khan, J-U-S-T-I-N-K-A-N. Or uh, you can find us at atrium.co. That's where our new startup is. And uh, you can email me at justin at atrium.co. Awesome. Are you all hiring? 
We're hiring a lot. Yes, we're hiring a lot. Mostly in San Francisco, there's a lot of remote positions, actually, I should say, as well. And so hiring uh, everything, engineers, lawyers, uh, product people, uh, growth people, marketing, sales, everything. That's awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, so I'd love to talk to you and keep the conversation going. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Arlen was here. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. Stick around too, because I will let you know when my new book is going to be in pre-order. Now that's coming out in the, uh, 2020. It'll be out as the real book. Oh my goodness. And it'll be, you'll be able to pre-order it most likely this year. So stay tuned. I'll let you know all about that on Twitter, on Instagram, and on this podcast. Your First Million is produced and edited by Anna Eichenauer and senior producer Brian Landers. Additional audio mixing and mastering by Alfred Rook Hamilton. Additional production by Chacho Valadez. Executive producer, Arlen Hamilton.